0: Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. You have your Bibles tonight. Let's open them to Psalm one nineteen. Psalm one nineteen. Tonight we're going to look at the third stanza in this Psalm, verses seventeen through twenty four. And tonight it's the Hebrew letter Gimel that forms the acrostic in the Hebrew alphabet, and as well as the Greek alphabet. It's not, as we might say, A B C. Uh, but rather it is A-B-G. A-B-G. And uh, tonight we're looking at Gimel in the Hebrew alphabets. And in this stanza, verses 17 through 24, in these eight verses, each verse, each line of each verse, beginning with the letter Gimel, the psalmist is focusing on his need or the necessity... For the word of God in his life. The necessity of the word of God in the life of a believer. So let's hear the word of God tonight from Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, Your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delights. They are my counselors. May the Lord bless this evening, the reading and the teaching of his word. This past Sunday, as we kicked off our series in the Gospel of Mark, uh, we were reminded uh, briefly in that sermon toward the end of the necessity of God's word in the life of the child of God. Jesus himself taught us this. There in the desolate wilderness, as he faced temptation from Satan, Satan tempting him to prove his identity as the Son of God and turn stone to bread, Jesus responded by declaring, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus reminds us that man needs the Word of God. It is essential to life and certainly to spiritual life. That's where the psalmist is going in this third stanza of Psalm 119. He's spoken previously about the blessings associated with the Word of God. He's spoken about the purity that comes from living according to the Word, and now he's captured by the necessity or his need for the Word of God. And he comes to this by reminding himself of it as he looks through two lenses. So think about a pair of glasses, if you will, for a moment. There's two lenses in those frames, and the psalmist is is looking through these two lenses to shape his need for the Word of God in his life. In this stanza, he sees his life in these two perspectives. First of all, he sees his need for the Word as one who is facing persecution. As one who is facing persecution. We see this as the stanza opens in verse 17. He says, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. That I may live and keep your word. Whatever the psalmist was facing here, there was a life and death matter before him. He comes back to this uh, toward the end of the stanza in verse 23. He says, Even princes sit and plot against me. The psalmist has identified himself here in this third stanza, as a servant, one who is in faithful obedience following the will of his master, following uh, the master's commands. He's, he's living out God's word, and it has brought him in the face of great opposition. He's no stranger to this. It's kind of touching every aspect of his life. Uh, we, we've mentioned this in the, the last couple of Of uh, lessons on Psalm 119, Uh, but I, I just keep coming back to it as I see it more and more. But I think this is again, perhaps another evidence of why Daniel would seem to be a good fit for the author of Psalm 119. When you look at Daniel's life, when you look at where he was living in exile, when you look at those who were conspiring against him, he was facing opposition because he was a faithful servant To God. It was literally life and death. Not gonna eat the king's meat, just gonna see if I can make it on vegetables. It was bow down to this golden statue. It was a fiery furnace. It was a lion's den. There was great opposition for him as a servant for God. And if we're gonna be a servant for God, It shouldn't surprise us either if we face opposition and persecution. It shouldn't surprise us that we see what's taking place in our culture transpiring. Jesus taught us this in John chapter 15, verse 20. Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you. And listen carefully to what Jesus says. Remember the word that I said to you. This is his... his, um, last discourse, the upper room discourse that he he gives to the apostles, remember the word that I said to you, listen, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. What did the psalmist say that he was? Deal bountifully with your, what? Servant. And Jesus says, if you're my servant, don't be surprised that you're persecuted. Don't be surprised if you're opposed. Look at what they did to me. And the servant's not greater than his master. So don't be caught off guard. Paul would write to Timothy uh, there toward the end of 2 Timothy in chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, he says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So here the psalmist, the servant in this third stanza is is saying, "I, I, I need you to work so that I can live. You need to know that there are those in high places who are plotting against me. And he offers for us a model of what to do when we find ourselves in such a a situation. He turns to the Word. He seeks the Word of God. And we're right to do that. The Word of God in the life of a child of God, the servant of God, as he faces opposition, is a great weapon that the Lord has given to us. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse number 17, in that great section where he's dealing with spiritual warfare, that the sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. In the face of persecution, the servant of Psalm 119, in this third stanza, is centered upon God's Word. So we need to learn from Him as one who sees life through the lens of being oppressed and opposed, of facing persecution. But secondly... The other lens that's kind of framing his world is that he sees himself not only as one who is facing persecution for being a faithful servant of God, but he sees himself as a pilgrim here in this world. As a pilgrim here in this world. He says in verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. A sojourner. He was just passing through he realized that this world was not his final home. There was something that he was looking forward to. And he realized that as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, as one passing through, he needed God's Word to guide him. Well, we likewise today, as followers of Christ, are simply sojourners upon this earth. Peter describes us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, as sojourners, listen to this, sojourners and exiles. And again, if Daniel is the author of Psalm 119, what is he? He's an exile. He's living in Babylon. He's living in a foreign land. And so he says, you know what, I'm a sojourner here on this earth. This is not the final stop for me. And he says, I'm also an exile living far away from the things that are familiar to me and the, uh, the blessings that God had given his people there in the land that he gave to them. And he says, because of this, I need the word of God. He needed God's word to guide him in this life. I think this is why in that Christian classic, Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan had Christian, the main character, Uh, travel with a map. And that map was representative of the Word of God. And and when Christian had laid it down and left it, he immediately had to go back and to recover it because that map was guiding him to the celestial city. So it is the Word of God for the believer today. It is our road map, our spiritual guide to take us all the way home, our true home, because we're simply pilgrims passing through. So, facing persecution and living as a pilgrim in a distant land, here in this third stanza of Psalm 119, the psalmist knew he desperately needed the Word of God, both to defend himself and guide himself. And in those regards, the Word of God is essential and vital to the believer in this life. It is our spiritual lifeblood and lifeline. And so in light of that, as we kind of broaden out now and look at the entirety of these verses in the, the gimbal stanza of the psalm, what we notice are, are four reasons that he offers up prayers that the Word of God would shape his life as a persecuted pilgrim. And, and what's so interesting to me as we continue through Psalm 119 is, is how often the psalmist is praying. He's making declarations, yes, about what the Word of God is and and what it means to him, certainly, but he's also interweaving his petitions, his prayers, his longings before God. And here, as a, a persecuted pilgrim, he is praying that the Word of God would give shape and be central to his life because it's necessary to him. So let me share these four things that he's asking the Word of God to do and and to shape his life. First of all, in verses 17 through 18, he expresses the need for the Word in his life to help him live abundantly. He needs the Word of God to live abundantly. He says in verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant. That I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That word bountifully, there, deal bountifully, is a very interesting word. It certainly speaks of abundance, it can convey generosity or generously, but it also means to, to ripen, to wean. Kind of the idea of coming to a a sense of maturity. And so here the psalmist seems to be acknowledging that that he needs the Word of God in order to live the abundant life that God is calling him to. And in light of that, in these two verses, he, he offers two petitions that guided by the Word of God would help him to experience the abundant life. First of all, in verse 17, he has a prayer to receive blessing. A prayer to receive blessing. Deal bountifully with your servant. That's his petition. That's his plea. God, bless me. God, I need your blessings. God, I need your generosity. God, I need your abundance. God, I need you at work in my life. We're reminded here in this prayer to receive blessing from God that we need God's grace to live according to His Word. Let me say that again. We need God's grace to live according to His Word, especially as persecuted pilgrims. Spurgeon, in writing about this petition of the psalmist in verse 17, says that without abundant mercy, the servant could not live. He says, it takes great grace to keep a saint alive. How true that is. And so we need to learn from the psalmist here that we need to cry out for God's blessings. We need not be afraid to ask for God's blessings. We can ask for that which we need. But here's what I want you to see. The blessings come, they are obtained, and they are found By living according to the Word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your Word. God's Word is what brings about this blessing. God's Word is what leads to the the bountiful, generous, abundant, ripened, mature life of the child of God. We've got to be careful here in verse 17. Because if we just kind of read it upon the surface and just scratch the leaves and don't dig under the surface a little bit, we may be, may, may be inclined to think that the psalmist here is trying to broker a deal with God. You bless me and then I'll live for you. You ever heard somebody pray like that? I think so many people do. God, you do this and then I'll do that. God, you give this and then I'll give that. You scratch my back, God, and I'll scratch yours. That's not what the psalmist is doing here. We don't broker deals with God. We're the servants. The psalmist knows this. The psalmist understands this. He is not saying, bless me and I'll live for you. No, absolutely not. Instead, what the psalmist is getting at here is he is acknowledging that living according to God's word brings God's blessings He realizes that you live the blessed life by keeping God's Word, and we live by God's Word, by God's grace. So he is asking God, give me grace to live by your Word, and as I live by your Word, there is abundance there. There's bounty there. There's generosity there. There's a maturing there, a ripening there. We live the blessed life. By adhering our lives to the commands that God's word lays out. This is where Psalm 119 opened, right? You remember? It begins with a benediction Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Well, what is the blameless way? Those who walk in the law of the Lord. This is how the entire book of Psalms begins Psalm 1 Blessed is the man. Who doesn't walk in the way of the sinful. Sit or stand. No, he meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. That's where his delight is. That man is blessed. So we pray, God, let us receive your blessing. And that blessing is attached to our obedience in the Word of God. He needs the Word to live abundantly. So he prays to receive a blessing, but then... In verse 18, still under the same idea, he prays for God to remove his blinders. It's not only God give me blessing, but God remove blinders from my eyes. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Because the law of God, the word of God, the testimonies of God, the commands of God are the path to blessing. So, in order to live bountifully, He asked God to remove the blinders that would hinder him from looking diligently into the Word of God. This is a a prayer for illumination. This is a prayer for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us see the wonder of the Word. That's what Spurgeon referred to it as, the wonder of the Word, the wondrous things in the Word of God. And oh, what wondrous things there are in the Word of God. As the psalmist is lifting this prayer, he's not simply praying for comprehension. Certainly, we can open the Bible, and through the rules and logic of grammar, we can comprehend what it is communicating to us. What he's asking for here is that God would work in his life to remove and to lift the fog of the squirrel from his eyes, that he could gaze upon the glory of Christ and the Word of God. And in that, we find abundance. In that, we find bounty. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul said, We all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we do so, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Where, how do we behold the glory of God? Because as we gaze upon his glory, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. You hear me offer that prayer many times. God, let us gaze upon your glory that our lives may be transformed. Where do we see the glory of Christ? Where do we see the glory of God? In the Word of God. So God, remove blinders from my eyes that I may behold wondrous things, glorious things out of your law. He needs the Word of God to live abundantly. Secondly, in these verses, the psalmist confesses he needs the Word of God to live relatively relevantly he needs the word of god to live relevantly verses 19 through 20 here's his declaration i am a sojourner on the earth i am a pilgrim i'm simply passing through and then his exhortation hide not your commandments from me this is the negative aspect of the positive prayer that he just gave in verse 18 open my eyes that i could see positive The negative side of that is don't hide your commandments from me. I need your word. I need understanding. I need to see your glory in the law of God. Why? Verse 20. Because my soul is consumed with longing for your rules. Here it is. At all times. At all times. The psalmist's soul was set upon the word of God. There was an insatiable, insatiable desire that was there. Like the deer panting for the, the stream, so his soul was panting for the word of God, longing to be consumed by it. But he said, at all times, at all times. In that part of the verse, I think we realize something that is often forgotten or overlooked. In contemporary culture today regarding the Word of God. And it's simply that the Word of God is relevant for all of life. At all times, God's Word is relevant. At all times and in every situation, the Word of God can speak and guide and direct. We need the Word of God to live uh, relevantly in this life for His glory. And in connection with that, let me just take a moment and remind us tonight that we don't seek to make the Word of God relevant. It already is. God's Word is relevant. We need not make it so. This is His Word given to us, divinely inspired, profitable for every good work. And the psalmist here confesses, I need this Word. I'm a sojourner passing through. I need Your Word in every aspect of my life at all times to guide and direct my steps. It is relevant in every situation. Third, the psalmist says in verses 21 through 23, he needs the Word to live faithfully. He needs the Word to live faithfully. In verse 21, the psalmist declares, you rebuke the insolent, the accursed ones who wander from your commandments, those who have become lifted up in pride, those who have become haughty in their own ways, in their own thinking. Perhaps this is Daniel looking at the others who have been exiled along with him and and seeing them forsake the law of God. (coughs) Seeing them forsake the word of God. They're wandering from his commands, and the Lord rebukes them. (coughs) He he pushes back against them, and the psalmist says, I don't want to do that. (coughs) I want to live faithfully for you. I think I've got a bottle of water hid behind here. Nope, I don't. We'll see if we can make it. (coughs) You going to grab me a bottle, Kirk? Thank you, sir. I almost got through it without choking on whatever's in the back of my throat tonight. <coughs> he says, "These who have grown haughty and proud, looking to the the ways of man and the wisdom of this world." He says, "You reject them. You resist them." He says, "Don't let me wander from your commandments in that way." He says, "Instead, take away from me their scorn and contempt." This is him asking. Uh, perhaps to remove those who are coming against him in persecution, to deal with his enemies in a divine fashion, or perhaps perhaps it's him simply asking the Lord to, to not let their insults, their slander, their oppression, stick to him. Instead, just take it away. Let it simply roll off of my back, if you will. Thank you, sir. Simply let it be removed from me. Why? Because I have kept your testimonies. Here's the psalmist declaring his faithfulness before the Lord. He lived his life in accordance with the Word of God, the ways of God, the laws of God, the testimonies of God. Their accusation, accusations cannot stick to him forcibly. He needs the Word of God to lead him in a faithful life. He says, even though princes sit plotting against me, He said, I will meditate on your statutes. Regardless of what the world may say and those who are are standing in opposition before me, he says, I'm not going to give up on your word. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to delight in it. And the man who delights and meditates on the, 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 the word of the Lord day and night, Psalm 1 tells us, what is he like? He's like a tree planted by streams of water. And it's leaf never withers, and it bears its fruit in its season. It's the display of a person who is faithful before God. He needs the Word of God to live faithfully. Even though many others are forsaking the Word, the servant of the third stanza of Psalm 119 will not. And then fourth and finally, verse 24, he needs the Word of God to live wisely. Your testimonies are my delight. Uh, we've heard this from the psalmist previously. The concept of delight or joy in the Word is something that he will repeatedly come to throughout this psalm. But, but each time there's a nuance that's there. There's a slight variation that's given. If you, if you ever read Spurgeon on Psalm 119, it's, he deals with uh, the repetition that appears in the psalm. He is quick each time to point out that the psalmist is not saying the same thing. That every time there's a slight nuance in what he is saying regarding the word of God. And Spurgeon says in true Spurgeon fashion that if you can't see that, well, you're just you're as blind as a bat, pretty much, is what he says. He says, the problem's with you. And so again, we hear the psalmist declaring your testimonies are my delights. How? This time he says, they are my counselors. The word of God is his counsel. The word of God is his source of wisdom. Literally in the Hebrew it says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my men of counsel. It's as if through the word of God, the psalmist is calling to himself, the authors of that word, And he's hearing from them God's wisdom to guide and to direct his steps as he lives as a persecuted pilgrim in this life. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, what's our source of wisdom tonight? When you read the book of Proverbs, God's book on wisdom for us, what you discover is that there's either folly and foolishness that we're living by, or the wisdom of God's word and God's ways. But every single one of us is living in either one of those two streams. And here the psalmist reminds us that we must give our ears, we must yield our lives to the counsel, the wisdom of God's word. Let it be your men of counsel, to live wisely in this world. In this third stanza, the psalmist has said he needs the Word of God. He can't live without it. I wonder tonight, is that how you feel about God's Word? That you need it as a servant of the Lord, as one who is living as a pilgrim here in this life and one who faces persecution for living boldly for Christ, do you realize your need for the Word tonight? Oh, I pray that we do. And I pray that we'll say with the psalmist once again that his Word, his testimonies, they are our delight, our joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that our souls would long for it, delight in it, our ways would be guided by it. Father, I pray tonight that you would remind us that we are simply pilgrims passing through. But this world, as we know it now, is not our home. But we desire a better country, a heavenly one. And so, Lord, let us be faithful sojourners and exiles, guided by your word each step that we take. And Father, as this world may plot against us, as this world may seek to, or be rid of us, Lord, may we look to your word. Father, may we not be surprised or caught off guard. Lord, they persecuted you. We too will face persecution. But Father, would you deal bountifully with us that we may live an abundant life and keep your word. Father, I pray for these who are before me tonight, God, that you would be with them and bless them. God, I pray that they would go filled with your spirit and yielded to your ways. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.